One thing that's been weird is that you've never seen these kids' mouths. Never? Oh, yeah. And then I saw a take- kid's mouth the other day, and I was like, Whoa! are you the same person? Hey, everybody. Today is Thursday, October 1st, and this is Trossos. Trossos. The official podcast of El Tuerto Guti. This is a podcast about life, language, CI, creativity, and teaching. Hosted by me, El Tuerto Guti. This podcast is 1,000% guaranteed to make you think, laugh, learn, or realize that you have better things to do with your day than listen to me. If it doesn't, send me your address and I'll send you a sticker. Snail mail. So at least it's worth your time. Try it. Special shout out today to podcast sponsor Elit. Elit is the best digital virtual FVR solution known to man. Elit is an online app-based platform that gives kids the chance to free read in their target language wherever, whenever they want. There are tons of tools integrated in it for you, the teacher, to be able to keep track of progress, monitor time reading, give little quizzes, and much, much more. Check it out at e-litapp.com. Be a boss and use code ELGUTI when you sign up. This is Trosos Numero Tres. Vocation, vocation, vocation. Once again, joining me, David El Arusto. Bushka. David, say hello. Buenos dias a todos. Helado y pesado. I changed it. Rosas y espinas, it's gone. Helado y pesado. I had an helado, and it was that the uh, Minnesota Twins made the playoffs. Vamos, bomba squad. Um, but I'm going to change it. So I was at a doctor's appointment today with my kid, and this guy, kind of scruffy-looking guy, comes over, and he goes, hey, you want to look at this? <laughs> to my one and a half year old daughter and he whips out a fidget spinner <laughs> and so he's like spinning it he's like i got 134 of these <laughs> and i was like dude i'm a teacher and i haven't seen a fidget spinner since like 2017 that could explain how he has 134 of them he took like, them all yeah i got a friend he has a machine that cuts them out puts ball bearings in them everything i'm like that's pretty cool man that's pretty cool Becca, do you want to run around? <laughs> <laughs> so, that was my helado, my pesado. It's getting cold. We still have probably 60 degrees left to drop until we reach our coldest, but not a fan. Uh, je n'aime pas le froid. <laughs> Trilingual. Je n'ai parlé el français. Dave, what do you got? Helado, pesado. Mine was going to be really similar to yours. Uh, Cubs are in the playoffs. Super excited about that. Vamos, Cubs. Um, uh, Pesado. Uh, I just gave a test, and I have the large portion of the students, and so I've got 115 uh, essays to grade, and not looking forward to that. But that's just my job. So that's that's my own doing, I suppose, giving a test. Baseball is a sport where you can do stuff while you watch it and have it on. Do the Cubs play at one like the Twins do? Yeah. No, Dingleberries. We don't even get to watch it. All right. Helado Pesado. Rosas Espinas. See you later. Current state of things. Uh, Let's kind of update what what we got at our school. We have uh, 100% in school, all students in school, everyone wearing masks. Um, how's it going for you? 
I think it's going pretty well. Uh, most part, kids aren't fighting it. You got those couple, you know, you're going to have that whether you're or in any situation you're trying to control. Um, but I think all in all, it's been pretty clear while we speak. That was a concern of mine that they wouldn't understand me well. It's not too bad. Uh, and the kids are being pretty cooperative. I think they see the benefits of not getting sick, even if they don't totally buy in all the time. Uh, they mostly are good. One thing that's been weird is that you've never seen these kids' mouths. Never? Oh, yeah. And then I saw a take- kid's mouth the other day, and I was like, <laughs> are you the same person? Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, I really pictured you with, with thin lips <laughs> <laughs> and no braces. And it's just like, yeah, it's crazy. It's really yep. weird. So we have a, the way it works here is if a kid tests positive six feet uh, around him, those kids go home for 10 days. So we've taken a hit. We're doing okay. But and, and so let's get into the main point of this. We did not become teachers to do virtual learning through COVID and look into an iPad all day. Right. Or teach from home. So why did you get into teaching? Why are you here today? Why are you here, David? Uh, well, initially, it's because my sister's a lot older than me. And she was doing her student teaching around home. And so she was able to do her teaching while I was still in high school. And so I just watched her uh, talk, listen to her talk about how much she loved being around kids. Um, and also, I liked history. I initially, I wanted to be a history teacher. And I was thinking about it. And I was like, there are not many options if you want to really pursue your passion of history. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'll teach. Um, and then for Spanish-wise... I took a class in high school, like a pre-teaching class, and I was late to my Spanish class many days because I was coming from elementary schools. And uh, my teacher uh, noticed that I kind of had pretty decent ability in that Spanish class, and she said, well, I know you want to be a teacher. Uh, You do pretty well in this class. Have you ever considered teaching Spanish? Have you met Ted? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, you know what? I haven't. And I looked into it, and I was like, you know what? Spanish teaching, there's a lot fewer of those. So I started thinking a little bit about job prospects. Uh, and, yeah, the rest is history there. I still keep in touch with that teacher. Uh, I'm super glad that I now have a professional relationship with her as well uh, because she's really had a huge impact on me of becoming a teacher and loving what I do every day. You love what you do every day? I do. No matter how frustrating it is, uh, I have a job where I get to tell stories for seven, eight hours a day. I talk about uh, otters eating and stealing uh, ice cream sandwiches, and that's perfectly normal in my classroom. And I can't imagine being in an office and not talking to anyone and not being able to be weird uh, with other people on a regular basis. I think you can imagine yourself in a, a cubicle and be like, hey, Johnson, you ever thought about an otter eating an ice cream sandwich? Quiet, Bushka. I'm trying to do these audit reports. <laughs> I'd be the worst office worker of all time. I would just be talking constantly. Why uh, are you here? Uh, it's, an, it's an interesting thought that you are. You basically told us that uh, you're not a teacher. You're a storyteller. And I feel like uh, if, if you're an auditor, 
you're an auditor and you go into your job every day and you audit. Hey, you looking forward to work today? Yeah, I'm going to audit some stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And I think teachers, you kind of get to, you get to do whatever you want. You get to be whatever you want. A lot of this kind of, we talked about this a little bit, the first podcast, but, uh, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to put this on a resume, but I feel like I'm an actor, a comedian, graphic designer, uh, a writer, an author. I produce and edit videos. Um, Podcast host. Podcast host. I uh, very few times am a professional dancer. It's more of a backup dancer, probably, my skill set. But... I feel like we get to do all of these things and teach. Yeah. So there was a time when I wasn't super jazzed about going to school every day. And then now I am. And I think everyone goes through those things. But it's like I, I get to do so many different things and teach. If I was just a photographer, which I do a lot of, if I was just a photographer, I wouldn't get to do all of the other things that teaching gives me. Right. Plus, I like to teach kids the material, too. <laughs> that is an important thing, like what you do there. Um, but, yeah, I had uh, I did not take Spanish the second half of high school, and then I did. I had to take it when I was at college, and there was a guy named Bill Hemis, and he was just a, an adjunct professor. He was an old high school teacher. And he just made it click, and I liked it, and I thought, my mom's a teacher, my brother's a teacher. They're happy. This sounds pretty cool. And I dove into it, and I did a lot of verb conjugating. I just, I hit it hard. And uh, the school I was at, I went to the professor, and I was like, can I graduate in four years? He was like, nope. And I said, well, what if I do summer school? And he was like, nope, we can't do that. And so I said, okay, I'm going to transfer to a different, bigger school 15 miles away if I can't get done in four years. Can I get done in four years? And he said, Nope. I said, I can, I'll go to Mexico in the summer. I have like a school lined up to get credits back and everything. He was like, I don't think it's going to work. So I bounced and, um, I had a great experience at my university, studied abroad in Spain and I'm here and I love it. That is what you get for going to that particular small (laughs) school. Uh, I know which one you're talking about. It doesn't surprise me that they would do such a terrible, terrible thing to you. Those guys. All right. Come on, Knights. You and I beat Kansas in the Sweet 16. That was neat. I had to get to the Sweet 16. So, you know, I ended up okay there. Let's get to uh, questions. That's my question! The question! Teresa Y. asks, what does classroom management look like in a positive, empathetic classroom? And I will, I'll take this one. It might just be our school. It might be our kids. Um, we are, I think, in terms of across the board, we are very fortunate with the kind of kids we have and the things that we have available to us. I, I haven't had a classroom management issue in the past year and a half. And I think a little bit of that is just setting up expectations and nailing it the first week, but also kind of having a reputation of the class is fun. He gets what it's like to be uh, 
a 16-year-old student who's in band and a sport and who wants to do well. So I think if you, if you kind of, for me, if you read the room and read the kids in there and just be honest with them and have clear expectations, um, I think the empathy and the relationships that come from that, the honesty, I think it makes classroom management pretty easy. Yeah. And on top of those expectations to be consistent with those things. Um, and I think being flexible helps a lot too, um, to, to roll with things. If, if kids are busy, you know, it's homecoming week, you got to adjust a little bit. You gotta, you can't be totally rigid. Um, cause that also shows you talk about that fun aspect. I think when kids relate to that feeling like you are being genuine, uh, helps build those relationships naturally and, when they already had those clear expectations and you consistently enforce those so that we are building a community. Uh, I think that empathy just grows on its own without anything super specific. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I think my biggest thing for classroom management is getting kids to understand that I know what it's like to be a high school student and giving them options or not options, but opportunities to mess up, and say, I'm sorry, yeah. and to move on. So uh, my third period class the other day, uh, these boys were talking about apparently some of the other boys in the class in their grade. They had a fight night, so they put on some boxing gloves. That's what that conversation <laughs> was about. That was happening in my class too. And so um, they were talking about the first like three minutes of class, like, hey, guys, come on, come on now, come on. And then they kept talking about it. I was like, guys. I know you're talking about the fight night. That's the number and one was, rule. Don't talk about fight night. Yeah, come on. And so I, I put on this super, super stern face, and I got pretty gruff, and I let it get really quiet. I said, guys, you might not talk about fight night until after class, and you come tell me everything that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and the, they, they knew that I didn't want to know what happened. And they knew that they had to stop. But I could have just ragged on them and ragged on them. But instead, I found a way to make it a really, really, really fun way for me to tell them to completely knock it off and get back on track. Uh, so, yeah, I do things like that to try and tell them, I know what it's like. I don't even want to talk about this. Got to get down to business. Vamos. Yeah. Establishing the leash can have a long leash, but eventually they gotta, you got to pull on it just a little bit to, to show where the boundary is. You are dog students. <laughs> <laughs> Second question, Diego. Oh, he didn't ask this to me, uh, but I saw it. He posted it on uh, one of the groups on Facebook. He said, class participation, to grade or not to grade? No. No. You, no. More paperwork, and it's, it's just inconsistent and... I can't be consistent with keeping track of it. I just can't. I can't do it. I can't grade class participation. There's always the reserve student who shows up on the first test. I don't know what to expect from this kid. Boom. Magic. And they're just not. They're, they're not double verted. Maybe they are double verted. Maybe they're introverted in class. And, and outside of class, they're extroverted, but inside, they just don't. 
feel comfortable. They don't want to. It's just not their thing. Mm-hmm. Still learning. Yep. And it shows up on the assessment. You know, they're covering the standards. They are learning. It's, it's very evident when we assess. But to ask them to raise their hand and feel uncomfortable so you can give them a point because they answer a question, they're probably already uncomfortable when you take the test. Right. So you know that they're going to do that. But class participation, um, I don't know if I ever did early in my career grade it, but I will never great class participation ever again yeah i did for a while and i'd have kids who were super great uh and maybe they'd participate because they were really into a topic we did that day and the day i happened to be doing participation points they were bored they had other tests uh they just had a lot going on in their lives and didn't talk and then it's like, well, wait a sec. Why does this student have a 66% in participation? They're one of my greatest participators because they just didn't do it on the days that I happen to keep track points. Um, so it would skew grades, and it wasn't an accurate picture in my mind of what they did. Because um, I want to know what they know, not necessarily how they perform, like their they're participate. Well, I lost the end of that thought. So... I, I, I want to see more what they can do and what they can give me meet the standards more than whether they can do school. Very well said, David. Um, this is not to say that you can't do what you would like in your own classroom. I think telling other people what to do and degrade participation, I'm not about that. You are a professional. You hold a degree. You care about your students. If you think that's the best for them, then I'm going to trust that your decision on that is one that I can go with. Yep. I, I don't think you're going to ruin anyone with grading participation. I don't think um, I don't think it's going to harm their progress, their comprehension. It's just not a practice that I do. If you do it, all the more power to you. Here at uh, Goody Central, <laughs> we're not grading participation quite quite yet. David, podcast three is. A wrap. Anything to uh, say in the last 20 seconds before uh, our fifth period bell rings? I love that you keep flying me in here. Uh, first class hotels every week. <laughs> I, I love it. Keep bringing me on. I'm glad to be here. How was your mimosa? Well, uh, the first two were great. Third one, uh, they started making a little strong, but I'm all right with that. There you go. It's either a mimosa or a tenderloin from the cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast three, Trosos. Vocation, vocation, vocation. I feel called to do this on a, on a more personal, um, bigger picture level. I feel called to do it. And I feel, um, yeah, it's a job at the same time. I'm doing some service that I think is kind of bigger than being in the classroom and talking to some kids. Vocation, vocation, vocation. Thanks, everybody. We hope you listen next week to Trosos. See you later. Hasta luego. Adios. One more thing today, people, duty fans. If you would like to submit a question for me, or maybe David, he's, he's kind of becoming a regular, to answer, head to eltuertoguti.com slash Trosos. And there's a nifty little feature. 
You click a button, you record your question, and it will be in the podcast. And we'll talk about it. And you'll feel really, really nice inside that we answered your question. And hopefully it made you laugh. Hopefully it made you think. That is what Trosos is all about. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, subscribe or leave a comment or just send me an email or send me a letter in the United States Postal Service or whatever country you're in using that, you know, mail service. And I look at my address. It's, it's on my website or something. I don't know. Go find it. It's 2020. You can find out that stuff. And let me know, how, let me know if you like it. But if, if you do like it, share, comment, subscribe, do all that stuff. It's going to help the podcast get bigger. Hopefully, hopefully podcast gets better. So thanks for listening. Thanks for using the stuff that I make. It makes me feel like I'm doing something good for people who are outside my classroom. Thanks, everybody. This is the second outro. So thanks again for listening. This is Trosos, podcast number three, vocation, vocation, vocation. See you later. Hasta luego.